All right, good morning. Uh, grab a Bible if you would and uh, turn to Luke chapter 2. If you don't have a Bible, you can grab one out of the pew rack in front of you. We'd love to have you follow along with us and read along. For you children who are here who would normally be dismissed to Children's Church, you're not. You're here. Family-friendly Sunday. What I'd like you to do is uh, if you if you're, want to follow along in the Bible, great. And uh, also grab one of the doodle sheets that's in the pew rack in front of you. One of those doodle sheets, right? You can, you, you've drawn on a lot of them before. You leave me nice pictures on the pews. Uh, grab one of those, and I want you to, in the next 15 minutes, draw your thoughts and rendition of a king. Like, what does a king look like? Okay, draw the best king that you can draw on that doodle sheet. And when we have Children's Corner in a few minutes, um, you can come up with that, and we're going to take a look at that. You're going to show me that. Uh, no cheating. You can have your parents do it for you. Okay. Parents are going to be reading the Bible along with me. It's going to be good. All right. So go ahead and go ahead and grab that doodle sheet, and you, you children can be working on that and listening at the same time. We are uh, in the last Sunday of, of December. It's our last Sunday for our Christmas series, uh, The Songs of Christmas, at least in maybe till next year. We'll see, but right, we keep it going. There are a lot of Christmas songs. We've, we've gone through quite a few songs this year. Um, those songs we've gone through, Come Thou Long Expected Jesus. We went through What Child Is This? Uh, we Three Kings. Last week for Christmas morning or Christmas Eve morning, uh, we went through God Rest Ye Merry Gentlemen. And this week for our final Sunday in the Christmas song series, it is O Come All Ye Faithful. Uh, and uh, it, it was an accident that that song is today. We had it in a different order, but I think it was a divine accident as God has really just laid it on my heart that this is, this is kind of the wrap it up message for, uh, for this series for this year. Just as a reminder of what we're trying to get out of these songs as we look at the Christmas songs, right? There were kind of three purposes within these songs. One, we wanted to, to read words and understand what they're saying because a lot of these old hymns, kind of like, what is that word? What does it mean? I don't know. Um, we actually weren't going to sing one of the verses of today's song because it was so bulky and just didn't fit with the rhythm of the song. And then we were able to find it in a, a different like, like composition, and it says the same thing, so we're going to sing it in a little while as well. Um, but was, we want to make sure we, can, we know what we're singing. So we, we understand the words, number one. Number two is, as we look into the song and, and sing the song and listen to the song, it should be used as a window to peer into the redemptive story of Scripture, of, of what is laid out in Scripture. We shouldn't sing songs that have no meaning. I, I was watching uh, Lego Masters with my children this week, and it's been fun, and they had a holiday special, right? A holiday special, they call it on TV, um, not Christmas. And, and they had a, a challenge where the, the Lego Masters were to build a rendition that, that shows their, the, the, one of the four favorite Christmas songs, right? Christmas songs of old. Not one of them, not one of those songs that were chosen said anything about Jesus. It was about Santa and rooftops and jingle bells and Christmas trees. That was it. So, I, I mean, it's fun. We sing along with those things. But, but Christmas is about Jesus. And when we talk about songs, they should peer into the story of Scripture and not veer off from that. It should be clear that they come from Scripture. And finally, once we, once we have understood the words, and once we have peered into the redemptive story of Scripture, it should help us to respond then richly and reverently to Jesus. Amen? That our hearts should be like, yes, Jesus, I want more of you. And as I said today, today is, O come all ye faithful. A little background to this hymn. Uh, it was written by, well, it was supposedly written by an Englishman, John Francis Wade, in the mid-1700s. 
Uh, he had fled England uh, because of persecution against the church, and he was in France. Uh, he did not know Latin, but uh, the reason that we say it's supposedly written by him was because he said he wrote it, but it was all in Latin, and he didn't know Latin. And so some people speculate that actually this, he, what he did when he went to France, he worked uh, as, a, as, a, as a writer of songs uh, or as a copier of songs to get out into the public, and that was what he did for income. And some say that they feel he came upon this, like he happened upon this ancient hymn that was, was written well before he came along, uh, and then he, he made sure to put his name on it and maybe tweak a couple of things and send it to publication. Whatever it is, tradition suggests that he actually is the writer of it uh, because later on they found uh, more copies of it with his name actually on it. So take it for what it's worth. It's attributed to John Francis Wade in the mid-1700s. Uh, it, is, it is a song that is an invitation as well. It's an invitation for us to come and behold and come and adore him and, and come see him, right? Christ the King. And that is what uh, we are to do every, every Sunday as we come. We come and adore him. Uh, the sermon title today, you'll see in your sermon notes, is Let's Go. Let's Go. And we're going to look at four different areas that come from this song that uh, in, invite us to, to let's go do something, all right? So let me pray for us, and we'll get ready to go right in number one. Ready? Let's pray. Father in heaven, we pause to, uh, to set our, our time aside. We pause to humble our hearts. God, to quiet our hearts, to slow our hearts and our minds. God, to, to be open and ready to receive from your word what you'd have for us. God, we have, we have been so blessed this Christmas season, Lord, as we have, have looked to you. <clears throat> God, as we have anticipated uh, what you have done and what you will do, God, and what you're doing currently. We thank you for the salvation offered through Christ. We ask now that your spirit would be amongst us. That, God, you would be convicting us of sin as we look at your word. God, that you would move us by your, the power of your spirit to a place of repentance and faith and faithfulness. God, and, and ultimately, we want to revere you. We want to adore you. We want to sing praises to the only one who is worthy. So it's in his name we pray. Amen. All right, so let's go. Number one, let's go behold him. Behold him is number one. You'll see it on your notes. Again, the song is on the back side of those notes if you want to follow along. Uh, Mark is going to put it up on our screen for us. So verse one, the first stanza here, uh, it's familiar to all. O come, all ye faithful, joyful and triumphant. O come ye, O come ye to Bethlehem. Come and behold him, born the king of angels. Now, this will go on and we'll sing uh, later on all the choruses uh, the chorus after each verse. But today I, I want to look at verse 1, and, and it's a call for us to, to triumphantly come, joyfully come, behold him, born the king. If you look in your text at uh, Luke chapter 2, I asked you to turn there and I didn't, so I'll turn. Luke chapter 2 is where we are, and we're going to start in verse 8. And we've read this, I think, several times through the Christmas season. Uh, but let's, let's see what the invitation is. Where does this invitation come from? Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 8. In the same regions, it says, Shepherds were staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock. And then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel of the Lord said, now, now look at this, verse number 10, the angel of the Lord said, what did the angel of the Lord say? Again, this is an invitation. There is, there is something they're going to share, and then it's an invitation. The first one, it says, don't be afraid, but what? But look, or behold, come and see, right? Look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that's for all people. So I've come, behold, I have good news 
of great joy. Well, what could this good news of great joy be? Keep looking. Today in the city of David, a Savior was born for you who is Christ the Lord. Now, here's some of the signs to look for. This will be the sign for you. You'll find a baby wrapped tightly in cloth and lying in a manger. And then suddenly, right, in response to this good message, in response to what we can come and see, suddenly there was a multitude of heavenly hosts with the angel praising God and saying or singing, glory to God in highest heaven and peace on earth to people he favors. Now, the shepherds are there on the hillside and they're they're waiting, they're, they're listening, they've, they've heard the angels. I mean, that blew their mind. Why are they appearing to us? And, and now I've seen an angel, now I've seen a company of angels singing and praising God. And they told me, to, told us to stop and look. So what's their response? Verse 15. When the angels had left them, they returned to heaven, and the shepherds said to one another, what did they say? First two words, let's go. That's the sermon title, right? Let's go. Let's go what? Let's go see. Let's go Let's go see. I want to see this. I want to, I want to go to Bethlehem and see what has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. It's, it's so important as we look at the shepherds, when we say, let's go behold, it is an invitation to let's go see. I think a lot of us, we, we kind of get kind of lackadaisical in our Christianity. Like, oh yeah, I got Jesus when I was 15. It was great. I got baptized and I've got him. It's good. I've, I've, I've been there, done that. I've, I've come, I've seen, I'm, I'm done. Jesus is still inviting you. Come and see. Come and see. Come and see. He is going to continue to show up. In fact, that, that's the cry of my heart when I come on Sunday morning is, is God, help me come here to see you in a more marvelous and spectacular way. I want to be in awe of you even more. And I hope you have that same idea. It's like, I, I'm going to go to gather with the body of Christ, the family of God. And when we gather around these songs about Jesus and the word about Jesus and these prayers to Jesus, that we would see Jesus. We would behold him and, and that would increase in us in a worship, an adoration of God that would come out of us. So come, let's see. Let's go and see what's happened. We see this also in, in the early part of Jesus' ministry in John chapter 1. Jesus has called some of his disciples, one of them being Philip, and then Philip goes out and he found Nathaniel. Right? You remember the story? We, he goes to Nathaniel. Hey, we found the one that Moses wrote about in the law, and so did the prophets. Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. This is, now, first of all, this is good news of great joy. The Israelites, have, they've been waiting for the Messiah. And for Philip to go to Nathaniel and say, we found him. He's here. We've seen him. You think Nathaniel would be like, oh, right, this is what we've been waiting for. Here we go. But for some reason, he had to focus in on this Nazareth thing, like, Oh, the Messiah, oh, Jesus from Nazareth. Remember what he said next? He says, Nathaniel replied, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? I just told you, just, I just shared with you that the Messiah is here. Jesus, like God's anointed, the king is here. And you're worried about this Nazareth part. What else could Philip do? Well, it's the same thing the angels did. They, they proclaimed good news of great joy. The Messiah is here. And they told him to what? Look, see, and, and what they do, they went and saw. So what did, what did Philip say to Nathaniel after that little sarcastic quip? Philip says, come and see. Come and see. Put your, your doubts on hold for a minute. Put your, your little attitude on hold. I know you're trying to take a nap, but put that aside. Like, come 
and see. And as he did, Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said to him, or said about him, Here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. Now this stirred something up in Nathanael, and that's a whole other sermon. But Nathanael said, How do you know me? How do you know me? And what does Jesus say back? He says, Before Philip called you, before Philip told you the good news of great joy and for to come and see, before that, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. You see, what's awesome about the message of, of Christmas is that it has come and it has, been for, it has been told, good news of great joy. But before the message even came, Jesus was like, I see you. I see you. I see your heart. I see your fears. I see your sin. I see your doubts. I see you. But I'm coming with a message. And that message is there's good news of great joy. There's a Messiah that can save you. He is Christ the Lord. And then the invitation is what? Let's go behold him. Come and see. So he, he sees Nathaniel. He tells him, I, I know that, and I, I saw you. And, and then Nathaniel says, Rabbi. It's like, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. It's amazing what happens when we set our hearts in a place to actually come and see Jesus. We are invited to come and behold him. The first verse of the song invites us into this trajectory, right? And, and it's, it's one that's towards exalting Christ and lifting him up. But before we can get to that spot of exalting him and saying, oh, you are the king, we have to come and see. We have to come and behold him born, the king of angels. And, and once we have beheld him, once we have seen him, the one born king, it, it then will produce in us, what does the verse say? Come and come all ye faithful, joyful, and triumphant. There's a joyful, triumphant attitude, this trajectory of worship that, that says you are the king of kings. You're the king of everything. Beholding in this matter carries us into the proper worship and exaltation of Christ. So let's go and adore him. Worship him, the king. Number two, let's go embrace him. Embrace him. Now this was the verse that we weren't going to sing and we are now going to sing later on. And here's what it says. Verse 2 says this. True God of true God, light from light eternal. Humbly he enters the virgin's womb. Son of the Father, begotten, not created. Now, as we look at this stanza, as we see these words, it is this doctrinally strong and rich statement about who Jesus is. I, I've mentioned this before. We have to be be cautious to not think, oh, Jesus, yeah, God gave us this little baby. It's awesome. He grew up to be a man, did some good things. He taught us. We believe, yay. It's bigger than that. He's bigger than that. God didn't just pick some random man and say, he'll be the one. Oh, this Mary, she's awesome. She's so great that she's going to have the great baby. In fact, of all the humans that ever been born, it was only said about John the baptizer that he was the greatest. But he was still a sinner in need of a Savior. And that Savior was Jesus Christ. So who is Jesus? True God of true God. Light from light eternal. This stanza reveals this, this doctrinal identity of the Savior. He is, he is God eternal. The Savior, the, the, the one born, the one in the manger, baby Jesus. He is God eternal. And, and who has condescended, right? Lowered himself, humbled himself. And he's put on human flesh. God of the universe has humbled himself and put on human flesh. 
What a, what a disgrace that is for him. But he did it for you and for me. See, we are not embracing, this is very important, we are not, when we embrace Jesus, we are not embracing a creation of God. We are embracing the creator himself. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He is God. In fact, some scriptures that support this, and we've, we've seen some of this already this, this uh, season. John 1. In the beginning was the Word. This is speaking about Jesus being the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That's interesting. He was God. He is God. Later on in John verse 9 there of, of uh, chapter 1, it, it talked about him being the true light. True light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. The eternal God, what we're singing about, the eternal light has come into the world to shine light into the darkness. Well, you see this when, when the angel came to Mary, right? And the angel came to Mary and talked about the begotten, right? What, what is the begotten? We see the scriptures kind of take that away and translate just son of God, son of God, son of God. But it's the begotten, right? John 3.16, it used to be, for God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son, right? The only begotten son is the only begotten son, right? He sent his only begotten son. What, what, what is that? What does begotten mean? We see it's something divine. It has to be. We see the angel talk about the begotten. Mary asked the angel, how, how can I have a baby? I'm, I'm a virgin. right?" And, and the angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the begotten of God or the Son of God. The begotten of God is is what is a person is a human well yeah human flesh but it's god john chapter one again in verse 14 the word became flesh the word the eternal god became flesh right and 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 dwelt among us we observed his glory the glory as the one and only son the begotten the one and only begotten one of the father full of grace and truth it goes on in verse 18 no one has ever seen god but the one and only Son, or the begotten Son, who is Himself God, the begotten Son, who is Himself God, and is at the Father's side, has revealed Him. That's, this is where we're getting the Trinity, right? And we could spend years on the Trinity. People have, and people still are. There's one God and three persons. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. They are all God, equally God, and equally eternal, equally creator. They are not the same. But Jesus is the begotten of the Father. He is God of God. The begotten is God of God. He is not just the Son of God. He is God the Son. This is the doctrinal statement. We need to believe and embrace. And, and then in John, or 1 John 2, it's so important for us. Uh, John writes, he says, No one who denies the Son, the begotten, the one that is God of God, God the Son, no one who denies the Son has the Father. And Jesus said that if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Right? So if you deny Christ and deny the deity of Christ, you don't have the Father either. But he goes on, he says, but whoever confesses the Son as what the begotten of God, the Son of God, has the Father as well. This is the Father and Son and then the Holy Spirit. It, it, they are one god he is eternal god true god of true god light from light eternal humbly he enters the virgin womb humbly he condescends and lowers himself he's son of the father begotten not created so 
because you automatically think, oh, son of God, the son of the father. He was, he was a, pro, a product, a creation. He is not. He is true God of true God. He is God who brings salvation to all who will believe that. It's amazing. So we should, let's go, what, behold him. Then let's go embrace him. Embrace him as God of God, the true God eternal. All right? We're going to pause. Children, have you done your homework? We're going to have our children's corner. Come on up to the front pew here, children. It's safe. Those are some good drawings. <clears throat> All right. You ready to finish up? Point number three. Let's go. Let's go. And it's adore him. Again, that's kind of the natural place this leads. We, we go and adore him. If we go back to our song text, we're going to look at uh, stanza three and the chorus now. It says, sing choirs of angels. Sing in exultation. Oh, sing, all ye citizens of heaven above. Glory to God. Glory in the highest. Then the the chorus, what is it? Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him. Christ the Lord. What's the invitation to do? It's for you and I. So let's go and adore him. Bow before him. To adore him is, is to worship him. It's to honor him. Men want this adoration, but Jesus deserves it. He deserves it. You know, as I spoke to the children, as we talked about this King Jesus who actually humbled himself and suffered for them and suffered for you and suffered for me in my place. Jesus died. He was the lamb that was slain, not because he was in season, not because it was his time, because he had done something wrong, he willingly laid down his life on the cross that I deserved and the cross that you deserved. He suffered and died for you. He died for me. That we could have life through him. That we could come to him in repentant faith saying, God, I, I leave behind me and I embrace you for who you are. I, I'm, I'm over myself. I'm done with that. I want more of you. We read this at our opening uh, Bible reading in Revelation 5. I'm going to read just a small portion of it again just to see this, this worthiness of God. And by the way, this is going to happen. This is something coming down the road. It should be happening today within our own hearts. But if let's say you're on the fence. You're like, I don't know. I kind of like the Herod King thing. I want that crown and treasure. Or I'm not sure about this Jesus. That's fine. You, you don't have to be sure about this Jesus. Jesus is sure enough about himself anyway. And, and, and one day, everyone is going to bow, whether you're sure or not. I hope you get sure today. I hope you settle that today. Here's what the Revelation says in verse, uh, chapter 5, verse 11. It says, Then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne and also of the living creatures and of the elders. Their number was countless thousands plus thousands of thousands. And they said with a loud voice. So what are, what are all of these creatures and people and angels proclaiming? Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. He's worthy to what? To receive all power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. He is the worthy one. Come, let us adore him. Christ the Lord. It goes on. He says, then I heard, this is, this is where it gets interesting right here. It was thousands and thousands and thousands of people like, oh, this is Jesus. He's worthy. 
Then he goes on to tell us what he saw next. I heard, or we heard, I heard every, every creature in heaven, on earth, under the earth, on the sea, and everything in them. What's left out? What's left out of that? Nothing is left out of that. Nothing is left out. Every creature is accounted for. Every single soul is accounted for. What does Philippians tell us? That every knee will bow. In heaven, on earth, and under the earth. Everyone will bow. Whether you're on the fence today or not, or you stay on the fence for the rest of your life, you will still bow. You can bow in reverent honor of God or in fear. But here's what they said. Every creature on heaven and under the earth, uh, or in heaven, on the earth, under the earth, on the sea, and everything in them said, blessing and honor and glory and power be to the one to the one seated on the throne and unto the Lamb forever and ever. Why is Christmas such a big deal? Because we worship the Lamb who was slain. We worship the King of kings who came as a baby. We worship Him who grew up and died on a cross that I deserved and rose victoriously from the dead because He's God of true God in the flesh and He conquered death once and for all. Why is Christmas a big deal? Because we are told to come and adore him in the manger and we adore him every day of our life and one day at the end of time, every creature, every knee will bow and adore him. Why? Because he is worthy. And how long How, how long will that go on? Forever and ever. He is worthy. Come, let's go adore him. Number four, the final point is this. Let's go greet him. Let's go greet him. Let's, uh, this is a personal position now in relationship with him. Uh, let's look at stanza four of our song. Yea, Lord, we greet thee, born this happy morning. Jesus, to thee be all glory given. Word of the Father, now in flesh appearing. And then what? Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him, Christ the King. Says, yea, Lord, we greet thee, born this happy morning. But what does it mean to greet him? If you would, uh, with me, turn to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. And then we're going to go to our last passage of Scripture. And that will be in Psalm chapter 2. So Philippians chapter 2 is first. Yea, Lord, we greet thee, born this happy morning. Jesus, to thee be all glory given. We saw that a minute ago. Word of the Father, now in flesh appearing. Again, God humbly putting on flesh for us so so we might greet him properly. What does that mean then? Philippians 2, beginning in verse 5. We're told by the Apostle Paul, by the power of the Spirit, to adopt the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus. Now we're talking about Christ. What was his attitude? He existed in the form of God, right? He was God, is God. He did not consider that equality with God something to be exploited, but he emptied himself and by assuming the form of a servant, taking on the likeness of humanity. And when he had come as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. For this reason, let's look at how how we should greet him. For this reason, God exalted him, highly exalted him, and gave him the name that's above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee will what? Bow. That's a proper greeting for Jesus, by the way. We humble our hearts. We, we, we bow before him. We get to our knees. We lower ourselves. We elevate him. Every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue will what? Confess 
that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This is the proper greeting for the one, the, the God-man, God who put on flesh and came and lived and died and rose again for us. The proper greeting is that we would bow our hearts and our attitudes, our souls before Him and that we would confess that He is Lord to the glory of God the Father. He is the King of Kings. He is established as such. How are you at greeting Him? The final passage, Psalm 2, if you turn there with me. Psalm 2. We're going to look at verse, uh, starting verse 6. Psalm chapter 2, verse 6. All right, here's the proclamation. It says, I have installed my king on Zion, my holy mountain. He's been established, right? The king's been established. I will declare the Lord's decree. He said to me, you are my son. Today I become your father. Ask of me, and I will make the nations your inheritance and the ends of the earth your possession. You will break them with an iron scepter. So he will have a scepter. You will shatter them like pottery. So now kings, here, here we go, listen. This is for all the Herod kings, but this is all for you and I too, where you and I like to be king of our own lives and elevate ourselves. This is for us. What is, it, what is the instruction for us? How are we to greet the one installed as king? Be wise. Receive instruction. You judges of the earth, serve the Lord with reverential awe and rejoice with trembling. Verse 12. Pay homage to the Son, or He will be angry, and you will perish in your rebellion. For His anger may ignite at any moment. But here's the promise of of the whole passage. All who take refuge in Him are what? Happy. Blessed. So what what is this greeting? What What is it to greet Him properly? It's to acknowledge that He is King. It is again to bow our hearts and our wills before Him. And then it says in verse 12, pay homage. Other translations you might have say what? Kiss the Son. Kiss the Son. You, you remember, remember that? Like you see a, you approach a king and you like kiss their ring or you kiss their scepter, right? And like, okay, you're, you're the man. You're it, right? This is what it's saying. Like, come to Him and, and bow all that you are before Him. Pay homage to Him. Give Him your full allegiance. This is what it means. This is what it means to greet him and greet him properly. And, and, and the promise is that all of us who take refuge in this king of kings, the God of the universe, when we take refuge in him, when we bow before him, when we kiss the son and greet him properly, we will be happy. We are happy. All who take refuge in him are happy. And that's a refuge. He, he is the refuge. He's not lording it over us. He is the Lord of all but we have refuge in him because he came to serve us and die. Amen? I want to invite our worship team to come back up right now. And Mike, if you would come back and, and spread these out for us. Worship team, if you would grab the elements here on the table before you head your, your post there. Listen, we're, we're partaking in the Lord's Supper today, and I, I loved that we were partaking. It's always the last Sunday of the month that we do this. But I loved it today because uh, as, we, as we have this invitation to come and adore him, right? To come and, and, and greet him and come, uh, come receive him. That, that's what we're doing. When we 
when we look at the elements here on the table, we're going to spread them out. And, and as they, as in a minute, this, we, don't, we haven't been typically doing this, right? We've been passing the elements out. Today, I'm just, we're going to turn the lights down a little low. We're going to have some music playing in the background for the, from the piano. I just, I just want you to take a minute to get your heart in a right and reflective place. That, that he's the king who came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for you. And so what is the invitation for today? What, when we come and partake, first, it's only for Christians. This is, this, if you have come to Christ and he has forgiven your sin, this means everything to you. This represents the blood that was shed for you and the body that was given and tortured for you on your behalf for your forgiveness. So it means something. It's, it's important that we, we cling to that. So when we come and we come down the aisle in a few minutes, I'm going to, at your leisure, you pray and you think through and reflect in your heart. And when you are ready or you and your family are ready, just stand up and walk down slowly, line up in the center aisle. It's not a time of gab and talking. It's a time of reflection and worship. And come down together and, and grab the elements of their double cup, the cracker on the bottom, the juice on top. Grab it. And then if you just walk down the outside, uh, outside of the aisles there and go back to your seat and then hold on to it, as we continue to worship, and then once everyone has come and, and, and uh, grabbed the elements and gone back to their seat as we've worshiped, we'll pause, I'll come back up, we'll reflect together, and we will read Scripture, pray, and partake together of the Lord's Supper. Our children are here too, and I, I, it, what a great teaching moment for them. For, for many of our children, they know Christ as Savior. This, this means something to them, and, I, and I, they should partake. For, for some of our children, they don't yet. And this is that moment where you can teach. It's a teachable moment. Let them know, like, this is what this means, and, and one day this will mean everything to you, and my prayers, it'll mean everything to you. You know your kids. We aren't babysitters up here. We aren't going to police you. Police each other. Police yourself as a, as a family. But as we come down, this is an invitation to behold, to come and see what he has done. What has he done? He shed his blood, and he's offered his body for us. To come and embrace him. You, you leave you behind and say, I can't bring anything as an offering Jesus is the offering. And in that, I come, and then what? I, I adore him. We're here to, this, this is something, we, we adore him. Come and behold. Come and adore. Oh, come let us adore him, Christ the King. And finally, this is how we come and greet him. We pay homage to him. We, we give our allegiance and say, God, it's, it's all about you. It's not about me. I surrender me to you. It's, it's that reminder. It's that we do this, what? In remembrance of him. Amen? I'm going to pray and then uh, we'll, we'll start worship time just kind of low. Uh, instrumental behind, time of reflection to think through and for you to pray some more. Again, when you are ready, you just stand up in the aisle and walk down the center aisles. Grab and partake and head out the outside and we'll, we'll partake together. Let's pray together. Father, we, we thank you so much that we, we get to adore a king who came to suffer and serve us to give his life as a ransom for many. And although you, you were due every rich and every power and every crown and every piece of treasure, God, you humbled yourself and you considered it worth nothing. But you went to the cross instead for us. You gave yourself for us. We thank you that you accomplished our forgiveness there. And God, that through repentance and faith that we can trust in you and be forgiven of our sin. God, what a symbol this is today as we have this invitation, God, to, to let's go behold him and embrace you and God, to adore you and, and to greet you. May we do that with all our heart. And we pray it in Christ's name.